On this episode of AV Week, we're going to talk about Dish Network and their new control modules, the USB-C connector, and working with millennials. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Milestone AV. This is AV Week, episode 209, recorded Friday, August 21st, 2015. We are all millennials. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us this week is Mr. Tom LeBlanc LeBlanc from Commercial Integrator Magazine. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me today, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you, by the way, so much for uh, for hosting a bunch of us um, integrators and and consultants and and folks like that in the industry this week at the CECI Summit. So we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. Learned a lot, um, and if you're uh, interested, we'll talk about how to get get uh, a hold of next year's because they already have next year's scheduled. Also with us, uh, this group right here is is an audacious, auspicious, and an awfully awesome group. Uh, what we did was we was we we sent out some some emails and said, all right, a commercial integrator did the the forty under forty again this year, and so a bunch of of friends and, and colleagues were on it, and so. I contacted the ones that I knew had <laughs> been on before, and and those are the folks we have. So all three of these, Tom and I, are no longer um, <clears throat> eligible for the forty under forty. Uh, I'm not going to say how far we are, but hey. Uh, first up is my buddy, my pal, my cohort for EdTech, Mr. Mike Tomei. How are you, sir? Good, Tim. Doing really well. And congratulations. Thank you. I was very excited to see uh, my name on that list. A lot of great people on this list and last year's list too so i'm really honored to join everybody well last year's list was was you know it was last year's list that's all i'm going to say about that also right it's, it's victoria ferrari from synergy ct how are you ma'am great thanks so much for having me on absolutely and last but not least my favorite programmer in the whole world and that includes the guys that work for me hope <laughs> roth how are you I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, we did a we did a special at uh, at the CEI uh, summit, and had your buddy uh, Mr. Uh, Chuck Espinoza from the the AV Power Up show on, nice. and he was great. I don't know. So so Corey was in the room, and I don't know why he never got on. I think he was too busy talking to people. I just. Not that Corey talks too much. I was going to say, once you get Corey going, you probably were never going to get him on. <laughs> I think that is exactly what happened. I would, you know, yes. All right. Uh, let's real quickly. I, I, I did this last week because you guys actually released this on a Friday last week, but I want to do it again. Lots of great people on here. Lots of combinations, Tom, which is really interesting. I think Craig McCormick, who actually wrote the article, um, said you guys had like 60 people in 40 slots, which is which is darn darn impressive. Um, so kudos to you guys real quickly. How do you guys find the folks? Well, this year, um, Craig basically, you know, put out a call, you know, via 
an article on CI kind of reminding everybody about the coverage from last year uh, and also just kind of hitting people up on Twitter and LinkedIn quite a bit. We have a lot of folks in mind going into something like that that will try to we'll try to put the application you know in front of appropriate people that will nominate them. But that's the other thing I should mention. All everybody's nominated by somebody else. There's a third party endorsement for everybody. And you know, um, it's it's you know we we write a lot of articles every year for CI and tech decisions and. This is probably one of the ones we're most proud of because you know one of the things you hear a lot about in the industry is how you know the industry is getting kind of gray. You know, guys are uh, guys is actually appropriate. You know, it's kind of a an old guys industry, and we're trying to you know paint a picture of the younger, you know, more dynamic, not more dynamic, the younger dynamic people in the industry that you know are adding. Uh, a new element, and we think there's actually a lot more of that than is usually illustrated. We're really proud of this article and, and of the folks who made the list, both this year and last year, but especially this year. Well, especially this year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, wow! <laughs> Whoo! Them are fighting words there. Uh, if you if you didn't know, I, I, was, I was lucky enough and honored enough to be on last year's list, which is where all this last year's list this year's list back and forth Tim, is coming can out. i can i quickly ask a trivia question shoot who came up with the idea for the 40 under 40 uh craig mccormick actually is the answer to that question oh that's not how i and, remember it. and he deserves a raise for it <laughs> <laughs> i remember it being an excellent suggestion from a 39 year old tim albright it was it was possibly that is possible oh. that that may have happened <laughs> No, I thought you, you we were talking about how you know that would be good to illustrate that and and uh, I always remember it as the idea stemming stemming from you and, and Craig and I thought it was an awesome idea. So well, thank you. Thanks sir. for that too. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> you can take my ideas and and run with them anytime you want, especially the good ones. Uh right, let's get on. I don't think you've ever told that story. Um scans yeah, let's skip that one. I am not even interested in that one. Uh, one of the things that comes out of, of, of um, commercial integrator and then the CIC summit is a bunch of different things. We, the one thing that I like, and I said this the other day, was you have um, you have commercial and residential together. There's a lot of cross pollination. A, a story that came out this week, and hope we're going to start with you because it's a programming story and it's freaking awesome. Just personally, it, it, it when I work nine to five, I work in a programming house. I, I run a programming house called Innovet. Dish Network has done something interesting. They have drivers slash modules now for AMX, Crestron, Pro Control, and RTI systems. Um, hope for the first question, how big of a deal is this? Because the fact that Dish Network, and I'm not aware of any DirecTV yet, but I could be wrong. Dish Network has said, you know what, here's some, here's some great, you know, back and forth, two-way communication, some things that we can do. Um, more than just pushing an IR, which is some, honestly how we typically run these things. Um, but they've, they've recognized value in connecting with some of these control systems. How, how big of a deal is that? I think it's great news. I think it shows that um, people are responding to our industry and, and trying to do things for our industry. I'm like you. I hate IR. I don't mm -hmm. want to use it anywhere. Uh, I guess us programmers are a little bit of control freaks when it comes to stuff like that. Very well done. Um, 
<laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all day. Um, and I, I, I think it just shows a, a commitment to integration. You know, there's a lot of products out there that are not integrator friendly. And by working with control manufacturers, putting out modules, it, you know, it shows a commitment to wanting to be integrated into a house solution. And I guess we'll have to see how good the modules themselves are. <laughs> That's the other thing. Uh, it depends on who wrote them. I, all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Mike, you, you live and breathe in, in education, but I, for one, have put in more than one cable system. So is this a good thing for, for you know, Dish Network maybe uh, becoming more uh, prevalent on, on campuses or just, you know, for specking other, other projects as well? Does it help? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I was actually surprised that they didn't do this sooner um, with this product. I don't think it's a brand new product, this hopper that they have, the the dish box. But um, I was kind of surprised they haven't done it sooner. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's really important for them to do it. I'm also not a fan of IR. And um, anytime I see something like this, it might sway me to go that direction um, when specking out a, a system, um, just based on the fact that they're embracing uh, professional installations rather than just looking at a, a just residential item that's going to go in. Is that something so, you, yeah. you consider when, when you spec products is whether or not, if you have, let's, let's start with one premise, you have a control system, all right? Yeah. If you have a control system, is that something you look at when you look at the, at the products, whether or not it has, you know, two-way communication, whether or not it has a, a module like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, constantly you'll have a client say, well, you know, why are you specking this Blu-ray player when I can go down to Best Buy and get one for $89 and throw it in there? And, you know, very first thing I go to is control. You know, I'm, I'm probably specking a, a pro unit that's going to have control that um, uh, that's going to be a lot better than IR. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's really big to look at um, when you're specking out the equipment. Victoria, kind of the same question to you when you're working with your clients. Is that something, is that one of the conversations that you have is is the differences between not necessarily pro versus residential or, 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 or consumer, but the differences in between, you know, what we can talk to and, and, how, and how we talk to it, whether it's BIR or 232? Um, I don't ever really get into that much detail. A lot of times the clients don't care. They just want it to work, okay. you know. So I don't know that I ever really get down into that much detail. I mean, I'll tell them like whether we need a RF remote or something, you know, like that. Um, and we always and we ask them, you know, what kind of cable are you going with and which boxes and that kind of thing. But they don't ever really ask me like for that much detail on how we're going to make it all work. I haven't run into anyone like that yet, anyway. So do you have the conversation then maybe about switching? cable or, or, you know, content delivery devices where, you know, maybe they have, you know, Dish this month and, and next year they have DirecTV. Do you ever kind of say, okay, you know, this is where we're at now, but should you in the future decide to change, then we're going to have to do some, some adjustments to the coding? Yes. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, all right, Mr. LeBlanc, uh, when it comes to this, is this uh, a good sign for I don't know. I, I hate using the word legitimize, legitimize our industry, but, you know, maybe, you know, Dish is, is recognizing the value here. I mean, it can't hurt, right? I mean, think about, 
think about in our worlds, you know, where we work, how big of a company uh, Crestron is in our industry yeah. and in, in what we do. And think of what big names, AMX and, and Control 4 have, for instance. But imagine you're at like a block party or you're hanging out with like your kids as uh, friends as parents and try to picture whether or not they have ever heard of those companies. You know, it's, it's weird. You know, th these companies are, are so omnipresent in our industry, but I don't think that they're, I don't, it, it's been a long struggle for them to penetrate the mainstream. So you're always kind of looking for like the Trojan horse to get that, those solutions into, you know, mainstream consumers' homes. And, you know, something like this is, is something that could help, you know, a few years ago, I think, um, you know, Control 4 was being sold at, I want to say, Best Buy. You know, that seemed yep. like something that would, you know, raise mainstream awareness. Um, you know, I, even things like Xfinity offering home automation, you know, the idea of home automation becoming more, um, you know, part of the mainstream lexicon, you know, things like that can only help uh, the industry. So, you know, let's see what happens. All right, very good. Happens. Uh, all right, let's move on to to cable and connectors because there's nothing, you know, more exciting than cables and connectors. Uh, <laughs> the uh, EE Times, which is a bastion of excitement. Uh, EE is, I'm just being all kinds of sarcastic today. It's been a weird week, kids. Uh, they're talking about USB and specifically, specifically USB Type-C. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is the next iteration, the next generation of USB. Uh, if you pay attention to Apple and Macs um, and MacBooks, this is the connector that is going to be on the MacBook. That's it. USB Type-C. Here's a couple of really cool things that this sucker can do, though. Uh, yes, it can give you power. Yes, it can. you can still plug in your phone and do this, that, and the other. Yes, you can you know, ha get a mouse on that and all this other jazz. It can also do video. Isn't that interesting? So here's the one thing that that uh, and Victoria, we're going to start with you on this. When you when it comes to um, specking products and putting together systems and working with your engineering team, or again working with your clients, um, how concerned are you about this connector? And if you're not, when do you think that we as an industry should be concerned about this 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 whole um, cabling situation? So um, the, the, you sending me the article is the first time I had heard. I didn't know that they were coming out with a new USB. Um, I think definitely it's something we need to start thinking about, especially if Apple is going to be pushing it. Um, you know, we try to future-proof our systems as much as we can. Um, you know, we sell, for example, like table boxes with retractable cables that are modular that can, that can, you know, as things change, you can just swap out the, you know, inserts. Um, or we include, you know, a matrix switcher with extra inputs and outputs. Um, try to do things so that a client, when they're, as the technology changes, they don't have to completely forklift everything that they have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely it's something we maybe not immediately have to start designing for, but for sure in the near future now. Um, I know, I don't know how the video thing is going to work, though. I mean, USB is already limited on distance on the, you know, it, I mean, what is there going to be a limit on 
USB type C, you know, the other regular USB can only do like 16 feet. Um, and then when you start extending USB, you run into issues. I mean, USB at the most basic level, like mouse to your keyboard, um, you know, keyboard or uh, mouse to your computer, keyboard to your computer. Yes, it's great. It just works. Or you know, charging phones and stuff. But when you start using USB for like touchscreens or trying to extend it, I mean, it's a lot more complicated than pe than most people realize. That's a very good point. I didn't even think about the the distance limitation of USB. So, you know, manufacturers can start creating. Well, there are some folks that have USB. Um, B, A, and B type extenders, but we'll have to start creating the, the C ones. Mr. Tomei, uh, Victoria mentions forklifting your entire system. So uh, how do you um, how do you future-proof uh, when it comes to stuff like this? Yeah, I think it's the whole, like going from VGA to DVI to HDMI again. Um, so we're gonna I, have I just wish they would let us kill off VGA first before uh, another connector comes VGA in. VGA you know? is dead. Intel no, said... Not in higher ed, man. Oh, it's still... Everybody still wants it in the rooms. It's Well, what if that one old laptop comes in that needs it? It's then like, shoot oh, it fine. with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, yep, but, um, VGA is not even dead in the corporate world. No. Yeah. My, my sister called me up yesterday and said, can you can you just send me an email and tell our IT department why I cannot get my VGA laptop up on an HDMI screen? <laughs> I was like, by the time you buy all the equipment you need to get this over there, you're, you're better off. Just, just buy a new laptop. <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah. I think USB Type-C is, is the real deal, though. I When um, Thunderbolt came out and lightning came out you know apple was saying this is it this is our connector and then they were good but they just didn't really kind of take off but um there's so many companies that are signing on to usb type c now that uh in the computer world that um it's going to be all over the place soon um but uh but in the the pro av world yeah we're still kind of you know sitting there waiting and it that's a hard one to future proof because if you have um, you know, if you're putting in like DM transmitters and receivers, that just that connector just doesn't exist right now on those. So those are all boxes that are going to have to be swapped out, and um, it, that that's a tough one to future proof for. It's you're just going to have to spend money when that starts appearing everywhere, right. or buying lots of little adapters and boxes that convert things, and then we're back to all those problems again. So, Tom, from your standpoint, what are you hearing from? Uh, from the manufacturers and also from some of the integrators about this. Have you had that conversation with them yet? No, not really, to be honest with you. Um, but I'd Should echo you? Victoria's point. <laughs> I'd echo Victoria's point about, um, you know, the fact that, you know, Apple is embracing it really kind of, you know, m makes you really take a, a wait and see attitude with this. Like, wow, you know, like this could have a big impact on, on, on the market and, and on system design. But then again, you know, maybe it could just be one of those things we're talking about now and in, in, in six months later, we wonder why we ever talked about it. I don't necessarily, because to Mike's point, the fact that you've got com computer manufacturers jumping on board, which you didn't have with Fire, oh, I almost said Fireball, good Lord. Thunderbolt. With Thunderbolt, and um, I have not been at a conference, actually. Um, <laughs> with with Thunderbolt um, and and Fireware. I mean, Fireware was there for a little bit, but 
Um, all right, Hope, from your standpoint, whether it's, you know, systems or, you know, wonderful digital matrixes that you get to, to run around with all day, is this something that we got to worry about yet? Uh, not yet, just because there's so many components um, that would have to get replaced later. I don't, I, I agree, I don't think there's a great way to future-proof it, um, but I think it is definitely something that we will have to think about putting in in the future. I think it'll be a great option. I'm just thinking it's, you know, it's fewer cables to trip over. It's um, it, lo it looks so so much nicer when you don't have you know six wires hanging out of a out of a podium. Um, you know, just one to plug your laptop in uh, will be great. Uh, I'm hoping that Apple actually implements everything. I don't know if everybody remembers Mini DisplayPort when it first came out. Apple didn't give you audio. <laughs> which yeah. is kind of a big deal. So uh, as long as Apple gives you everything, I, I think they have been a driver of um, of new cables and connectors, and uh, hopefully this will take off because I think it's a great option. Right. I, I, I do too. I'm, I'm excited about it because of the, honestly, because of the addition of video. Um, once you start adding that into USB, um, I, I think it would be kind of cool. Uh, all right, from our buddies over at ScanSource, uh, ScanSource is getting ready to buy KBZ. Last week was all about somebody buying somebody and somebody getting rid of somebody else. Uh, so we have one, one more as a, as, a, as a holdover for that one. Uh, ScanSource is basically picking up a Cisco um, video uh, conferencing uh, distributorship uh, by buying KBZ. Um, Tom, when it comes to stuff like this and... and basically acquiring a, a line by purchasing, which honestly in the integration world happens from time to time where, you know, you're a Crestron house and you buy somebody um, that happens to be an AMX house and suddenly you have you, you have the ability to do both now. Um, is this a good move on ScanSource's part to pick this up? I think definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I see Cisco um, being a, being uh, reflected in a lot more projects than I did like last year, the year before. And I think it, I think there's a lot of traction in video conferencing in general. I think the Cisco brand is associated with video conferencing and in a lot of ways, I think, I think it's a very big deal in terms of, you know, reaching a lot more customers with, with Cisco products. I, I think, um, I think it's huge. Yeah, uh, Victoria. They, from the most part, ScanSource does uh, security, uh, point of sale stuff, and they've got some communications. This adds to that. Um, is it something that most integrators should be concerned about? Because a company that services a, a whole other sector is basically making available Cisco products to to their existing, you know, the security guys. No, I, I don't think that matters that much. I mean, we already go up against IT integrators and other integrators that, that have even direct relationships with Cisco where they don't even have to buy from distribution. They can buy from Cisco directly um, and get better pricing. So I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know that ScanSource buying KBZ adds any more danger there than what was already there. Um, but I think it's, I definitely think it's a good thing. It's uh, but it kind of makes me wonder, you know, what does that say about Polycom? Because I know, because, you know, ScanScores is a big di distributor of Polycom. Um, so I thought I found point. it interesting. That's a very good point. I hadn't even considered that yet. Yeah. 
Uh, Victoria, really quickly, when you run up against the guys, uh, the, the security folks that are direct and the IT folks that are direct with Cisco, do they have the entire gamut of Cisco products or do, are they limited by, you know, servers and stuff? No, they have everything. They can sell the network stuff, the security stuff, the telepresence stuff, what they, you know, that's how Cisco, what Cisco calls it. Yeah. And so... But they can't they can't sell microphones from Revo Labs or you know <laughs> Crestron stuff. <laughs> no, but they can sell that. But but Cisco has their own mics and, and their own touch panels for crying out loud. So, you know, pretty slick looking ones. Uh, Mr. Tomei, how big a big of a deal is this for a distributor to add another line by by acquisition? Well, I think um, you know if these IT integrators kind of lump in video conferencing installs. Um, it's not a bad thing because then two years later the clients will call us to fix them. So uh, you know they'll they'll say, "How come uh, I spent ten thousand bucks on a codec and the microphones sound horrible and this and that?" It's like, okay, now you know it's a different world. And um, uh, so I, I think the the market is still there. It's not like um, you know the IT integrators are really taking over that that end of things. Uh, one thing I actually found surprising from Infocom from the show. Um, I forget which award it was, but um, there was a, uh, a best in show video conferencing award, and it was actually the Vadio AV Bridge that won it, a web conferencing device. So uh, in the higher ed world, uh, I know video conferencing is still big in, in corporate world, but in higher ed, really, it's web conferencing that's kind of um, replacing a lot of the, the um, video conferencing installs that are out there. So I think that's really my focus because most of my clients are higher ed clients. So because of that, of that interface that allows uh, what that device does, it allows you to take pro level gear, whether it's, you know, cameras or, or microphones or what have you, actually just anything that, that you can do um, balanced or unbalanced audio and converts it into a USB signal that goes into uh, a computer of some sort that's running that, um, yeah. that's running that soft codec. Um, honestly, when you're setting up the codec, you have the little drop-down menu, and it allows you to select which one. So, you know. Uh, all right, Hope, yep. any, uh, for uh, for this one, uh, distributors and all that jazz, does, it, does uh, it interest you or, or get you excited or anything? Backdoor, uh, backdoor negotiations are just, you know, programming is one thing, but, but acquisitions is, is another. No. I, I would say that anyone who has dealt with KBZ for support We'll say that ScanSource picked up a great company. I don't know if you've ever had to call them for help, but the their support techs over there are great. I mean, I know a lot of people that buy ZCare just so they don't have to call Cisco. Cisco support oh, is wow. notoriously not great. Um, and but you call KBZ up, and you know they'll 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 dive deep into a manual to get you, you know, just the right uh, command to send it over RS-232 to do, make the codec do something maybe you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> uh, they're, they're really useful. Um, so I hope that they continue to, to uh, do right by the, the folks that work there, that it's not just to buy the distribution, because um, those techs over there are great. All right, very good. All right. Uh, something that came out of the CECI Summit this week, uh, USAV and ProSource are launching support for three to five million dollar. I'm sorry, three million to ten million dollar commercial integrators. So in other words, they're they're getting together to kind of um, focus on that on that market. 
Uh, Tom, you're the one who wrote the article, so we're going to start with you on this one. Uh, this actually came out of a conversation that they had with uh, with each other at the 2014 uh, CICE summit, which, again, it goes back to, to what we talked about the other day, the cross-pollination. I absolutely love this story, and I love that whole idea. It's, it's where residential folks and, and commercial folks get together. They find common ground. They find ways that they can work together, and they find ways to you know, better each other's business and, and find another market that they can each serve. Um, do you like this this move? Is this a good move for both or, or for neither of them? I don't know. I mean, I asked a lot of questions during the interview because, yeah, it's one of those things where I wonder how people are going to react. So basically, there's two elements of it, right? You know, so USAV, you know, is essentially a buying group for the commercial market. ProSource is a buying group for the residential integration market. On USAV's side, they have a lot of programs that are catered catered more for like large integration firms, which, you know, the industry is very much catered for large integration yeah. firms. And on the residential side, almost every single what you think of as a residential firm does at least some commercial business. They diversify into commercial at least a little bit and some diversify quite a bit. So basically what occurred to Casey Schwartz at USAV was that, hey, look, there's this huge segment of the market that basically doesn't have any type of like buying or benefit this group type and that's basically what this is supposed to do and it's supposed to launch october 1st and you know one of the questions i asked you know because i said i'm not sure when you asked me the question mm -hmm. well how the larger firms feel about this you know are are they going to feel like well, what are you doing? Are you are you training a whole bunch of residentially focused um, firms to be, you know, more um, more legitimate competitors to us? And I don't know. I mean, it sounds like the reaction that they got when they asked their members was, um, you know, not not as dramatic as I just kind of phrased it. But that seems like one of those things where. Um, be curious to to have a drink with some integrators and get their get their reaction to that. But I will say that it's a smart idea because he's right. And we target in firms, and there are a lot of very you know moderately sized firms that you know seem to get passed by. This is a program that targets them and is supposed to support them. So it's a very interesting idea. Yeah, it, it will. It would be interesting to grab a couple of folks uh, over the next couple of months and just kind of pick their brains, folks who, who who already belong to USAV, because not every market has someone. Uh, there's a lot that right. do, but there's some that don't. Um, Hope and, and Victoria, we're going to hit you guys first because you work for integrators and and um, Hope. Is this something that's interesting? I mean, it's uh, let's let's take it from the the commercial side. Suddenly, you have access to some some more training. Suddenly, you have access to. Um, some residential products that you may or may not have have had access to is that is that interesting i think it is i think you're seeing a lot of blending of residential and commercial these days and i think this is sort of acknowledging that and trying to make the best of that situation moving forward um, because i feel like what our industry brings to clients is a broad base of knowledge and understanding of how their systems are supposed to work um, and so a good company, the commercial company, could do a residential uh, install or vice versa. I think the challenge is when you have people that say, 
oh, you know, say a residential integrator, oh, 2008 was kind of awful. Uh, commercial would help us to sort of diversify our, our clientele. If we end up with a situation like that again, you know, it could help get us through. And so they sort of branch out and do some commercial installs. If they don't know what they're doing, uh, you know, that makes the rest of us look bad. Um, I, I happen to work for a company that does both. I think we do both well, but I think there are companies out there that, you know, they, they're good at they're good at what they do, you know, and diversifying is not necessarily gonna going to um, be a great move for them. So I, I think the training aspect of it is really important because I think this is sort of the way that things are going. And if you're going to have more companies sort of um, picking up things in other markets, then then we want to make sure they're doing a good job. All right. Uh, Victoria, kind of the other side of that question, where, what Tom said, you know, does it make you, would it make you nervous if you were, if you're a USAV member? And I don't know if, if, if uh, Synergy is or not. If, if, you're a member of USAV. Does it make you nervous uh, that maybe they're they're training an entirely brand new swath of, of competitors for you? Um, no, not necessarily. I I'd never even heard of USAV. I wasn't sure what that was, but you know, I find that um, resi integrators a lot of them get a bad rep, but I found in talking with several residential integrators, and especially I was exposed to a lot of them when I worked for Stewart. Um, the good ones are really, really good, and they know AV better than a lot of coders. Um, they know it, you know, down to the science behind a lot of things. So, um, and, and also to another point, you know, we do run into being in the commercial world, we do run into, hey, the CEO of the company, you know, sees what we do and, oh, it's such a good job. What can you do? Can you come do this at my house? You know, can you put in a projector at my house? So that happens all the time. And, um, you know, it's good to cross pollinate and, and have the skill sets of both. Um, I do think, though, that there are different products for each. You know, there's resi products that only should stay residential and there's commercial products that really fit better, you know, in the commercial space. And so that's the, where the training needs to happen and where the, you know, resi guy can't be putting in his resi stuff at, you know, corporate headquarters. Unless it's an Apple TV. <laughs> Gotta throw that one in there. That just, you were yep. not going to get away from it. Uh, all yep. right, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tomei. Uh, take me through this both in, 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 uh, in corporate and, and education. Um, you know, you're a, you're a integrator, a, a commercial grade integrator that does education. Is there any value here in, in getting some commercial stuff or some residential stuff? Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Apple TV. That was going to be the first thing out of my mouth. In higher ed, constantly yeah. um, we get the Apple TV request from uh, from clients or, or faculty, and they want it installed in the room. There's this um, blurring now of uh, residential and commercial products, and especially in higher ed. Um, with things like Apple TV going in. And I've always been kind of surprised at how there is a, a line drawn between the commercial integrators and the residential integrators. And, um, you know, like others said, um, residential integrators really have some great skill sets and um, uh, could easily do the, the commercial installs too or make the transition to, to do them. So I think this is a really good thing. Um, I, um, I, I will be... I would be interested too, like Tom said, to, to talk to the larger 
uh, integrate commercial integrators and really get their opinion on this. But um, but I think it's a good thing because it's there is this blurring these days between those two markets. Yeah. All right. As we wrap up here with the this forty under forty list. Uh, from our buddies over at avnetwork.com, the millennial paradigm shift. <clears throat> Tom, you and I are just pretty much going to shut up for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> according to a recent study, this is by Jonathan Owens, according to a recent study by the Bureau of Labor and Employment, millennials make up about 43% of the workforce. Baby boomers take second. Generation X, that would be you and me, me, me Tom trailing in third. Gen X never managed to snag the top spot away from baby boomers. So what does this mean for the AV industry? This is a topic that actually came up at the CI Summit uh, during the first uh, afternoon that we all were there talking about how to work with millennials, how to manage millennials. Some of it was interesting. Some of it was controversial, I would say. Um, Hope, we're going to start with you. Um... I guess the best way to put this without sounding like an old dude is how do you want to be managed? You know, I mean, if, if, cause all three of you are, are millennials, um, you know, Tom and I are both firmly ensconced in, in, uh, in generation X land. Um, and there was some dis- disagreement about where generation X ends and where the millennials began. I'm going to say that roughly, what what would you say, Tom? Like eighty eighty one is is millennials, roughly. Um, yeah. So, so I well, would say that all three of you are there. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Where's Gen Y? Ninety nine, right. two thousand, somewhere in there, and then you got Gen Z, which is coming up, which are like my kids and your kids, Hope's kids. So, um, so Hope, as a millennial, how how do you want to be managed? How do you want to be worked with? Uh, yeah, I just sneak in under the wire as a millennial. I think I'm in like the last year, year or two of eligibility. Um, I I I like to just sort of be told what to do and then go and do it. Um, I don't like to be micromanaged. I don't like um, you know. I want to have feedback at the end, um, but I kind of just want to be given a scope of work and and make it happen. All right. Um, I have I have read a lot of things where people say they don't like the millennials work style. They say, you know, we just want to be patted on the back all the time and that, you know, we show up late to work every day. And I would say, you know, we're not I can't remember where it was. It was probably one of those BuzzFeed article or something like that about, you know, how millennials are so horrible to work for. Well, because you all and got they, you all got trophies growing up, you know. You know, you all got, you know, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly in the afternoon. We and, got, see, I guess maybe that's because I'm the tail, tail, uh, tail beginning, I should say, of the millennials. Is I, I didn't get trophies for everything growing up. Tom and I had to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow even during the summertime. <laughs> and you would have killed for a shoebox. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, I worked, I think part of it too is, is who your parents are. I worked for my dad. God, I worked for my dad starting at like, an age that I probably shouldn't say on the air, <laughs> lest child labor laws be, you know, still enforceable. Uh, and my dad worked me harder than anybody else who worked for him. Um, you know, so I, I think I have, you know, that my work ethic from that, but, um, and I, I think I want to say I haven't really worked with a lot of millennials in our industry because I think a lot of them have gone into more, uh, software development. 
Um, but now you're seeing more of them coming into our industry, and I think it's great for us because uh, you get a lot of people who say, "Well, I don't, I don't see why we have to do it this way." Um, how about all these other options, especially when it comes to sort of things like UI, interaction with the system. Um, and I think you get a great perspective when you get a younger clientele that's a little more, or, uh, or workforce that's a little more tech savvy and can sort of um, try, to, try to bring things up into this sort of more high tech area. Okay. All right. Uh, Mr. Tomei, from your standpoint, uh, how, how do you want to be worked with? <laughs> Well, I think um, you know the, the younger people in the industry um, really like a, a collaborative environment. Um, that at least I do. Um, I really like to um, uh, a business that's really collaborative, and and you can rely on your coworkers, and it's not just everybody does a little task and that's it. Um, I think that's really big for me. I um, uh, I've, I've noticed from from younger people too, I've noticed a lot. Like Hope said, going into more software development, AV is a tough one. There's, um, you know, the article talks about there's no um, college degree for AV, and uh, you know everybody comes from different areas. People come from TV, radio degrees, or um, you know, computer science degrees, all over the place, and eventually fall into AV, but not necessarily right out of college. Um, they might go into other industries. So. Um, it's a tough one to attract people, but when you do, I've seen on the programming end of things, um, I've seen a lot of creativity from younger um, people working with control system programming, um, some stuff that, that I blows my mind, and it just breaks from that traditional um, user interface that you see on every touch panel and every lecture hall and across the country. So, um, so I've seen some really neat stuff from younger people, but I think it's just getting them into the industry is the tough part. No, it definitely so. is. Yeah, that's been yeah. One, of, one of our challenges at Innovat is, is getting, you know, fresh new talent, um, you know, from a programming side. Um, so, all right, yeah. Victoria, last last millennial, last 40 under 40 here. Um, you know, how do, how do you want to be managed? Um, well, I'm kind of like Hope, where I'm in between really millennial and Gen Y. Um, also, you know, more than just the year I was born, but I started in the workforce when I was 18. Um, so I didn't do the college thing. So I, um, I'm kind of in between there, but as far as, you know, there are some things that I, uh, you know, relate to that people say about millennials, but then other things, you know, not so much. Um, I think it's important to, for me to, have a job that makes a difference in a way, um, even in a small way, you know. So the fact that we outfit this boardroom and it allows the people to be more productive and it allows the company to have more meetings and more meaningful meetings and make more money, you know, then that makes me feel like I've helped the world go around a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, but as far as management styles, you know, I don't want to be told what to do. I like to be given, you know, a general scope, obviously, you know, here's my role and here's, you know, what I fit into, but I don't like having an exact job description. Um, you know, I want to add things, I want to contribute uniquely, you know, um, and, but I also do want feedback. Um, so as I'm going along, you know, how am I doing? Hey, you know, is this okay? Should I continue on this path or, you know, 
Um, but I don't necessarily always need like a pat on the back, you know, like, oh, good job, you know, kind of thing. But to get feedback on how's it go, how am I doing so far, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so yeah, and no micromanaging. <laughs> no, I'm, I've decided I'm a millennial. I don't want to be told what to do either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't get a trophy for everything, so. That's I didn't either. <laughs> All right, guys. That's gonna, Tom. Do you want to chime on this? How do you want to be managed as a Gen Xer? No, I, I mean I agree with you. I want to be a millennial too. I I like, <laughs> you know, I like what Hope and Victoria both said about how they want to be managed. You know, you want to, you don't want to be micromanaged. You want to be empowered to, you know, to to excel and make a positive impact. Me too. You yeah. know, and I'm Gen X. I I like that column that that um that the guy wrote um and i thought he did a good job of kind of capturing at least the way i read was you know he was trying to you know make a point that you can't really just you know put millennials in a box and, no. and say this is who they are and um and i think that's can't make generalizations and uh, i think it, it's a nice narrative for the for the industry and i'm guilty of you know contributing to that narrative but it's a, a little bit of a stretch I'm Gen X. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not very similar to that Ethan Hawke carrier and character in um, Reality Bites. <laughs> no, no, so neither, neither am I. Difficult yeah. to make those generalizations. Well, and that's that's a danger, right? I mean, you could. There are books on how to manage millennials, and there are probably books on how to manage Gen Xers. Um, and you can't, right? I mean, uh, hope hope and I had similar grow you know things growing up. I didn't, you know, but I get my work ethic from my father, you know, um, and I, I don't know that you can just stereotype everybody um into what 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 was it that they once said about gen x is that we're slackers and all i yeah. want to do is sit around and you know smoke pot and play video games all day the me generation the, i think was that us we were, they, were I, we the me generation I, I thought that was in the context of the slacker thing no yeah probably mm. yeah yeah i don't know yeah all you right. can't really stereotype you know a whole generation um but there are some things that can help you know try to understand how people, younger people approach problems or what they think, you know, you gotta, I mean, we were the first generation with the internet really readily available at our fingertips for our entire school life. So we expect answers fast, you know, that kind of thing. We expect, you know, things to happen more quickly. We expect to have resources at our fingertips, um, those sorts of things. That's the best point. That right Right there there is, yeah, um, I, I wrote my senior paper in, in high school using an, an encyclopedia. <laughs> What's that? And, and, and it's to say, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, it's several books alphabetized about yay thick each. And yeah, as soon as they were printed, they were out of out of whack. So. Right. All right, guys. Uh, Mr. Mike Tomei, thank you, sir. Thank you. How can people get in touch with you if they would like some consulting done? Yeah, uh, my website is the best place to go. It's tomeiav.com. It's T-O-M-E-I-A-V.com. Or um, people can find me on LinkedIn also. I'm on there quite a bit. All right, very good. Miss Hope yep. Roth, thank you so much, ma'am. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, I am at Reardon Brothers Integration. That's R-I-O-R-D-A-N, reardonbrothers.com. And I'm on Twitter at Beer and Pie. At Beer and Pie. And explain to me what people 
explain to folks why your Twitter Twitter handle is Beer and Pie? Uh, because I had a, a, a self-produced album of now quite a long time ago uh, called Beer and Pie. Oh, it and wasn't it came that long out ago. around the same time as Twitter came out. And it's really good. And Everyone it's really check good. It out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Uh, and uh, and really, I'm just holding on to it so I can explain the Twitter handle every time I go on a podcast. <laughs> That's a good excuse. I like that. So. Yeah. Also, also, people tag me in their Thanksgiving photos uh, after their relatives leave and they have beer and pie. I get tagged in the photos on Facebook. That's awesome. <laughs> Some of them you probably don't want to share, but uh, Victoria, uh, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always fun. Um, company is Synergy CT, stands for Communication Technologies. Um, and my Twitter is Victoria0429. All right, very good. And Mr. LeBlanc, thank you so much, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. All did right. you say LeBlanc? I did on purpose. That was it. A... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that. Uh, where can uh, Where can people find you? Um, LeBlanc Tom on Twitter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, also, commercialintegrator.com, the tech decision sites uh, on Twitter, on Twitter, uh, com integrator. But Craig McCormick runs that that Twitter account. You should be warned. Craig's responsible for that one. Yeah, I'm, I thought I'm revealing Chelsea was. who's behind the curtain. It's Craig. Oh, I always thought it was Chelsea. All right. But it's Craig with a twist of Chelsea and Tom. Okay, there you go. All right. No, this week at the uh, Commercial Integrator Summit, there was a, a, a gentleman pre- producer, or presenter who kept uh, calling Tom by the wrong last name, calling him the blank. So. Uh, my name is Tom Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Check out the underwriter page. It's a bunch of great folks who help us do what we do. Uh, and kind of help, but, you know, tell your friends about this. Tell your enemies. I don't care. Uh, but just check out the website. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Oh, my God.